We are back with another episode of Toad's Tunes. My name is Toad. Today, we're sitting down with Jeremy McComb. Had a lot of fun with this kid, man. I love it when he comes to town. Chatting with him is like chatting with a brother, man. We talked traveling with the family, a new business opportunity with M&Ms. We talked dream cars, yeah, dump trucks. Not the ones that my buddy Ian talks about. Tracy Lawrence, Tim McGraw, Jelly Roll, we even touched on. Rick Huckabee, one of the co-writers of Didn't We? One of the latest singles from Tracy Lawrence. You know what? Let's get to know Jeremy McComb. Yes, it's burned out. Gonna burn a black strip down on old Chase Road. Smoke rolling off some old needles. Maybe let a couple of Dude, what do you see? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Jeremy McComb in What's the studio up? today. You're um you're holding on to Lucas Hoag's ball. Is this Lucas Hoag's? Yeah. How come it doesn't uh, have we talked about this before? Oh, Am yeah. I having deja vu? Yes, we have. Yeah. I was gonna say, how come it doesn't have his logo on it? <laughs> You know what? I'm going to say I love you, too. Lucas. That is fucking funny. Dude, welcome back to Vegas. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. You, you brought the heat with you. We've had, oh, my God. Uh, thanks for that. It's hotter than hell out there. Your, your RV's all fucked up, right? Yeah, so our bus, we've got a generator issue. We were out on the Jason Boland and the Stragglers tour, and we got to Seattle, and the generator just quit working. And so we ordered a part and you know had it overnighted and finally met up with it here in vegas and then uh it's the wrong part so of course it is yeah so it's just hot and the bus is running <laughs> no, i pulled up and my first thought was there's no fucking trailer on this so how the hell are you doing anything but yeah. you proceeded to say you're in the middle of an acoustic tour yeah yeah we've been uh, doing the acoustic thing with jason boland i was over in england for two or three weeks before that and then um i've got a west coast group of guys that'll come out and help me on these full band shows so it's neat it's it was rad. kind of funny you you came into the club last night Mm -hmm. Cassie Ashton was playing and uh, it's always neat to see artists uh, that have come in here before and Seth that was playing with them Cook their guitar player yeah. he has played here as a headliner and now yeah. he's been back two or three times as uh, a guitar player which is cool that's and so cool you got one of your guys tonight that's been here before with uh, John Gurney yeah uh, Jackson Mickelson yeah I, I love it uh, yeah man it well it's cool because you just run into these people in these circles of people that are so cool and great players and you know it's like my band guys, it's like in Nashville, they're not out on the acoustic run. I've got a wife, two kids, two dogs, driver, tour manager out on the bus. The bus is full, you know what I mean? So it's like, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Art and Dustin, and they help me out on so much West Coast stuff. It's so fun, and so it's just cool. It's like a it's like a little weird freak family out here. It's nice. And your your family, because it's summertime, they yeah. get to travel with you. Yeah, Courtney and the kids come out. Does she love traveling with you? Yeah, I, th I think they like traveling. I don't know if they like traveling with me, because it's like everything is tour, you know, so it's just tour orientated until we get a couple days off. It's like, she's like, can we go to a water? And I'm like, yeah, you know, so I'm like, she'll be like, well, where are we going to be? And I'm like, read the day sheets. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's on the fridge. <laughs> don't make me, that's what you say, don't make me make you sell merch tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, but it's so awesome because, I mean, that would have been my dream as a kid to be out on the road with my, you know, on a tour bus in the summer. And they just meet so many amazing people and we get to do so many amazing things and see amazing stuff. Like today we went down to the Stranger Things store downtown. And right. The M&M shop. And it's just, it's awesome, man. It's memories you, you can never get back. I haven't been to the M&M store in years. I'm going to go back 12, 13 years ago, I worked for M&M's. You did? I did. And I built that website. Really? I, I did. I did all the, the, the graphic design. And um, 
Um, I can see the guy's face that I used to work with on it. He's going to fucking kill me because I totally <laughs> forgot his name. But I actually worked. I got a phone call one day and or an email one day from a company called, uh, uh, it's, it just said the email address came from EFFEM, FM. Oh. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this could be. Right? Yeah. And it was like a job thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was sure. I was really into building websites back then, really enjoyed that. That Kyle, that's what his name was, Kyle. Shout out to you, Kyle. Um, <laughs> but I ended up talking to him on the phone and it was Ethel M. That's oh. owned by Eminem Mars. Eminem Mars, yeah. Yeah, so I actually worked at the Ethel's factory, but we built the Eminem's website no on the strip. Way. We built the Eminem's store online that you can buy all the little all the like um, the, the customized yes. and all that stuff and the dispensers and everything yeah. like that. So I was part of building all of that. Dude, I have so many Eminems from friends of mine at their wedding where like their faces of them and their ex-wives on the Eminems. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest they need to come up with like divorce oh, <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. Can I send these back? <laughs> the funniest part was in that interview when they told me what it was for. Uh, they were telling me that every desk in the office has a chocolate dispenser, an M M&M and M dispenser on it. Well, really, I'm not a big fan of chocolate. Yeah, I'm not either. So I, I was just like, uh, can people work there if they don't like chocolate? So <laughs> I worked there for a couple of years, had some fun. Uh, but every like quarter they would have this meeting between New Jersey and Vegas and everyone would get on there and they'd make me stand up in the middle of every single meeting and be the guy that stood up and said in my interview that, yeah, is it okay if I work here if I don't like chocolate? And everyone would laugh. And But um, yeah, that was the highlight of my uh, M&M's career. That's crazy. It was a fun place. I've never been in there before, but the kids loved it. And still, it's a neat place. It still smells like chocolate. And so. it's expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, I think they do that because they're on the strip. Yeah, the strip. it's you know it's Disneyland down there. What are you guys doing after you leave here? Uh, so we're headed up to uh, Great Falls. We're actually meeting up with Colt Ford. I uh, hadn't seen Colt in a minute, so we're playing up in Colt uh, in Great Falls, Montana, with Colt, and then um, I'm d- I'm headlining this little Springs Amphitheater in Phillipsburg, Montana. Acoustic or full band, or that'll be acoustic. Yeah, and then full band again with Colt uh, in my hometown, State Line, Idaho. They're doing a big American Patriotic Weekend um, at the Raceway Amphitheater out there, so that'll be a great show. That'll be badass. Yeah, super Colt- fun. Colt's played here before. He's played in Idaho with us a couple. Actually, he's got a show I'm announcing next week. He's coming back playing up there. Is he up in Emmett? Yeah. Nice. So, like, if you uh, uh, you should talk to him if you're yeah. going to see him and see if you can open for him. That'd, uh, be, that'd be a way to get your ass back in there. Easy. I love it. Because, yeah. I, I mean, me and Colt go back a long, long time. And uh, I've been on his label for the last, you know, three years or whatever. Right. So it's been, uh, he's just a great dude, man. Super great guy. And I'm still going to tell you that I probably said this last time, but I think my favorite single that I can never get sick of listening to is Burned Out. Really? I, I, I love that song. Thank I love, you, man. I, it's, just, it's just a fun song. Yeah. I love the way it starts out. I love the way, while listening to it t- today, yeah. I was just, we were driving to go to the post office, I think, and I threw it on. Hell I, just, yeah, I enjoy that tune. It's Thank probably you, one of my faves. Speaking of music, you got some new stuff coming? Yeah, we've got a new record in the works be coming out here in the fall, and uh, I'm super excited about it. It's, uh, everybody says that. I'm very excited about writing new music. <laughs> never heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's always your best shit, your new shit. But yeah, um, yeah we I've been trying out. I'm going to try some new songs out tonight, and um, it's just really personal. It's got it, it's cool because you know I listened to this Kevin Hart book um, called uh, "You Can't Make This Up," and he was really talking about because I take ninety percent of 
how I apply everything in my life from comedy. Like, because comedians just have it right, right? Like the crowd connection, the timing, all that shit. And um, he was talking about how he used to come up with these jokes. You know, he'd go in and he'd be like, yeah, man, I ran into, you know, four fucking midgets today on the subway. And it would get like a spatter of laughing. And then at the end of the show, his buddy would pull him aside and go, where did that happen? And he's like, wow, it didn't happen. I was just coming up with a bit. And he's like, right. dude, you and your girlfriend, you got arrested at Walmart for pushing her over a fucking cart. You know, he's like, that shit's funny. Tell the truth. And uh, so yeah. I really started diving more into that. And so I've just been telling the truth a lot more. And um, In music. Yeah. As I've you always should. kind of told the truth on stage, but that's probably what's gotten me in trouble with most of my major <laughs> label deals. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm sure. Um, I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this. I normally get r- really, really, really. I don't want to say upset, but um, that's not the word. I don't like when an artist gets on stage and talks a lot. Yeah. I don't. I just don't. <laughs> but when you play here, there's just something about you that the connection is there that it doesn't kill the room. Yeah. People thanks, pay attention. Man. Thanks. Not too many people can do that. Well. I had really good teachers, man. I, I, you know, from when I was a kid to watching the blue collar guys do it every night for five years, it was, I, I really studied it uh, and I work really hard on that part of it. So that's a huge compliment. Dude, it's, uh, you can ask anybody here. They'll tell you the Thank same you, thing. Toad's Thank pissed you. off because that guy's talking too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I've had a couple artists that come through and then as they come back through again, I've made mention that, Hey, you know, that's nice. Something like, Oh, we're gonna have to change our show. And I'm like, well, just play your music yeah you know if it if the room if you see people walk away shut the fuck up yeah like, it seems pretty and you gotta read the room you know sometimes it's like and some of the stories i have don't you know where i'm like okay well this isn't going to connect with a 19 year old girl because i'm talking about being divor- you know if i'm talking about oh this is my buddy's divorced three fucking times or whatever right so you just <laughs> read the room and go like okay well i don't need to tell this story for the song to hit right you know if there's something where it needs a setup i'll do that but yeah it's um I think you just got to read the room. And... I want to go back to the M&M's thing now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> like, what a great business opportunity to recycle M&M's, right? That would be great, <laughs> yeah. Well, I always thought, like, that you could do, you know, you could call them W&Ws or something. Or, uh, like, misfortune cookies. I always thought it would be great to open a fortune cookie and it would just be like, you're fucked, man. <laughs> right? It's over. The person to your right is sleeping with your it's wife. you're sleeping <laughs> with your wife. <laughs> Exactly, and, and just, it's your dad. It's your, <laughs> your second dad. I think it would be funny, like to go into PF Chang's and just swap the box out. Dude, it'd be so great. I wonder. Just misfortune cookies. Never. I mean, I've seen people send a bag of dicks before. I've seen all that stuff, but misfortune cookies is. I think that's something that's. We should do it. Yeah, we're gonna we have to Google that shit to see if it. someone yeah, else I'm thought sure about some, it. Yeah, yeah, someone's already beat us to it. That's pretty fucking funny. I love it. Or what? divorced M and M's would be really good. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Recycle those fucking things. Yeah, or you could just put her, the girl's face on the one with, that has nuts in it. You could be like, "This bag's nuts." So <laughs> we had to send these back. <laughs> or now we have she, a peanut allergy. <laughs> or, now, or now she's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the ads for Jeremy's chocolate? No. Have you seen these? No. Okay. No. So I wish I could take credit for being Jeremy in this, but I can't. So <laughs> it's all about, because like Hershey's did this thing, and I, look, I'm not making a political statement, but Hershey's did this thing where it was he, she, him, her, yeah. whatever, whatever, right? And kind of jumping on this bandwagon of, of whatever. Well, <laughs> this guy um, came out with Jeremy's chocolates, and he's like, look, we got two kinds of candy bars. We have one with nuts, <laughs> And one without. And one is called he he and the other is called she she. 
And he said, and if you don't know which one has the nuts in it, you're part of the fucking problem. Oh, dude. Like, and he does this whole, it's like the Dollar Shave Club for Men, that original commercial. It's right. like that. But it, he, it, it's so funny. So funny. I wonder if the chocolate's any good. I don't know. I was laying in bed one night going to sleep, and this commercial came on about some new spray for your butt crack and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you really? No. Yeah. Dude, I literally stopped, got out of bed, rewound the TV, and went and recorded it, and was like, <laughs> it begins with an L. I don't remember the name of it, but I, I was like- I don't even want to Google it. Ask- Asshole spray, dude. What it's literally, it? dude. It's for butt cracks. It's for for boob sweat. It's for okay. Like, so it's just like a like deodorant type of thing. It's weird. It's what, just, what's the, what are the flavors? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you like how I call them flavors <laughs> instead flavors. of scents. <laughs> that smells like really nice cheese. <laughs> Ooh, is that Gouda? Mm. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not Gouda. Is that cottage? Gouda. Oh, cottage. I think it's cottage. cottage. <laughs> That's from under cottage. <laughs> what's the matter with you? Oh, my All right, gosh. so. You putting out a whole album? Yeah, we're going to have a whole new record. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very excited. It's got a bunch of stuff that I wrote. There's a couple of Hardy uh, that Hardy was a co-writer on, and then Tony Lane, who's my favorite songwriter of all time. So, Do you, do you super enjoy the songwriting process? Yeah. If I'm... For me, yes. I, I don't enjoy, like, sitting in a room and, and people going, like, hey, Blake Shelton's cutting... What can we come up with? Like, that is not my thing at all. So if I write something, somebody else cuts it, like the Tracy Lawrence thing with Didn't We or whatever. Yeah, great fucking song, oh, too. Oh, thank you, man. Um, then I, I love that. Like, if it's... Tracy told me when I was on... I did some shows with him last year, and Tracy was like, that song's my fucking childhood. And I was like, mine too, man. That's, That's why I wrote pretty it. neat. Yeah, he, it was he's, awesome. He's actually playing up in Emmett next, too. He is so great. End of July. I think the 26th. He's one of my heroes, one of the best voices in country music. Some of the best, one of the best catalogs in country music. Right. I mean, you go back and you listen to all that shit. I mean, Sticks and Stones. And it doesn't alibis. get old. It never gets old. Right. And he's delivering it on stage so well. I mean, he's a fucking superstar, dude. And so that thrilled me to death. That's um. How did that? I think we might have touched base on this, but last time, how did how did you get involved with him picking up that song? Well, I wrote it with Rick Huckabee, who was in his band forever, but he was writing for Tracy's publishing house. And Tracy, we got done writing it, and we were doing just like a pseudo demo of it. And Tracy said, "Do you mind if I sing on that?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Mister no, Eighteen it, Number Ones." It bothers me. <laughs> yeah. So. He left, and then Huck called me like two days later, and he goes, dude, the song's on hold. And I go, with who? And he said, Tim McGraw. Tracy drove it over to Tim's house and said, you got to listen to the song. Right. And then I guess when Huck saw McGraw at the Opry one night, Tim, because Tim had it on hold for like four albums, you know, and it was just like. That's a long time. It's a long time. And I was, I was like, hey, if he cuts it, great. If not, I don't give a shit. But um Tim ran into Huck and was like, that song's a hit, man. It just didn't, it never fit the the project or whatever. And then Tracy cut it last year. I got like 12 hours notice. It goes, yeah, it's about to be on iTunes or whatever, or Spotify. That's so, fucking rad. It was so awesome. So that's totally good, unexpected. And it, this, how, how are you in publishing? You have your own? Yeah, I have my own publishing. That's rad. Yeah, it's been amazing. And the cool thing about when I did sign with Cole Ford, it was such a wonderful experience. It was such a fair deal. And... Um, they didn't want any. I probably shouldn't be telling the contract details, but I, they, they didn't want any part of your publishing. No, That's rad. No, it was all very artist friendly on every front. I awesome. watched something with Jelly Roll the other the, the other day, and it, it was old. It's probably a year ago. Yeah, and he was sitting. I don't know if it was in one of those bus. Was he talking about his wife bankrolling no, him? No, he was. He no, he was just talking about. Uh, 
the record industry yeah. and publishing and all that kind of stuff. It's mm. really interesting just to say that you do have a leg to stand on. Like, yeah. Because those there's uh, obviously I, I, I sit with a lot of people. A lot of people ha- have had a, a dirty past, mm-hmm. you know, where they've been screwed over pr- pretty bad. And um, I think you just have to pay attention. And I think that's what's neat when you when you find people that are like minded. Yeah. That they that they pay attention for you and help and all and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, Nashville became they became the kings of um, of the currency they use is acceptance. And it's as artists, songwriters, people that want to be in the music, we're, we're drawn to this because there's something missing. Right. We don't, not, maybe not all of us know what it is. Club owners, concert promoters, whatever it is, we're all fucking in this because there's something wrong somewhere. Yeah. And we might not even know what it is. 99% of the time that I've found in, in my own experience is that it's acceptance. I was never fucking accepted by the people I was around. I always wanted that. Always wanted it. So what ends up happening is you get a little bit of that drug of acceptance. And it's like, man, we love you. We want to put you on the radio. We want to do this. That's right. All we need is your publishing and you're this and you're that and you're that. We're going to put you on the fucking radio. Make and you like, famous. Man, I've got, I've got all these people who love me. You know, this is so great. And then you lose your first record deal. And you're like, where the fuck did all those people go? They're right. gone. And so, you know, we were talking off before we got off the air of whittling your circle and keeping it real and the people that are in those circles. And so it took me a long time to figure out that was my drug of choice in Nashville was acceptance. And it, uh, it fucked me every time. And the minute that I started to go like, I don't care. You're not my circle. Go fuck yourself. And to be able to, I wanted to build a career where, you know, you could tell, Scott Borchetta to go fuck himself and there's nothing that he could do to yeah. hurt you. What, like, what are you going to do? Take me off the radio? You know, what do you, you know, it's like, I'm already not there. And so <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it was like, I wanted to build it where it was bulletproof. You had real fans, real cities, real yeah. touring and real tickets. You know, yeah. Real all sales, those things. Yeah. Real, like legit real fans. Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't care if I made them 10 at a time and we have, that's how I've built <laughs> entire career i might have said something last night um in my interview that was that was um i don't want to say cross the line in some sense because there was a radio person here and an artist here and i told her the song that i liked oh yeah and not the single it was not the single it was never cut as a single but the artist was like i always wanted it to be a single and Mm -hmm. i'm looking at this radio person just like fucking losing her shit Mm. Um, but you sit back and I think that's always been something that's been frustrating to me is that you see an artist that has a single that has the proof in the pudding that she goes, he goes and they play their songs and people are singing it, but it's never been pushed anywhere. It's never been accelerated anywhere. It's never been playlisted anywhere, but everybody seems to know it. Right. That should tell you something. And I think that that's, that's what that fine tuning is with the TikToks of the world and all that kind of stuff that you can really find a song that's going to resonate with people. Exactly. And, uh, well, Dick down in Dallas. Yeah. That would never have fucking happened, right. you know, so, ever. Two things. I was driving home on a road trip with the fam, and I came across an interview with Trey Lewis. Yeah. And I listened to it because I'm always listening. Like, I was just, I, I want to be better at what I do and sure. really get an understanding what 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 people li- what people's lives are and everything like that, where they come from. I'm just curious to that yeah he's got a fucked up life he came from a fucked up place oh man. i'm sure i'm like sure the drugs uh uh um the cutting the getting cut off by people family fucking people over for 
for whatever to where he's at today and that single comes out but there's more to him than that right which is, of course most people don't don't yeah. i mean most people know that song but the, the the other side of that is one thing but i also want to go back to another thing as part of one of these drives i turned on you sent me a piece that we were gonna go through and put on the old country af radio yeah yeah do you remember that thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so in the beginning i listened to parts of it i actually drove and listened to that thing yeah it was fucking cool Thanks, because man. I got to know you're just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to music, the industry and stuff like that. I don't think like you're you're, you're not just an artist. You're a fan. Yeah. Um, you've been in pretty deep before. Yeah. Still are. I mean, I guess in that sense, you've got a lot of knowledge up there. But I was listening to that thing and just your knowledge of music and the people that write songs and where the songs came from and what they meant. It was like... I was like sitting there, and Heather and I were like, "What the fuck? This was cool as shit!" Like I finally <laughs> Thanks, listened to the whole thing and went, "Man, this is something that fans of music would listen to." Yeah, yeah. I I think like my point in doing these interviews, podcasts, is so people know that you're human, right? Where you came from, what you're doing, that you laugh, that you that you have some failures in your life. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And but most. Uh, I say this probably too much, but people just think that your your life as a rock star is what it was when Motley Crue was in their heyday, yeah. and they get on a plane, it's they land in a city, it's hookers and blow, they play their show, <laughs> another hooker and a blow, and then that they fucking be, go. That would be awesome, actually. <laughs> but no, it's a, now it's like we're taking uh, pre workouts before we go on stage to stay up past eight o'clock. And what do you mean we started? It's 10? like <laughs> yeah, I'm like ten. That's oh midnight. My God, holy shit! That's why it's always great when you're like the opener on a tour where they're like, "Hey, you're on at eight, and you're off at eight thirty. You're like that means I'm in my pajamas watching Cold Case Files by nine fifteen. Right? That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that, um, man, all of my careers come from failures. I've failed forward in everything. Everything. It's every, nothing's worked. Nothing's worked the first time ever. Yeah. And um, I think that's been the best part of my journey that I just accepted where I was like, man, I just have my own thing. And then the other thing is when, when you quit um, comparing yourself to people who don't inspire you. Like, you hear these people who go like, man, fuck Luke Bryan and fuck Georgia, Florida Georgia Line or whatever. And I'm like, I think everybody's got their own path. Sure. You know, which is cool. If you get, hey, if you get fucking famous on a reality TV show, good for you. Does it, is it something that I would like to do? No. But, you know, everybody's got this path and it all doesn't have to be the same. And we all don't have to, you know, necessarily be into it. But somebody likes it. Somebody likes it. And so it's one of those things where it's like, why, why would I compare myself to Luke Bryan? When I'm not, I'm not inspired by Luke Bryan. I'm sure. inspired by Jeffrey Steele and Tony Lane, and I'm inspired by. And I'm not shitting on Luke Bryan. I'm just saying that's not what did it for you. That's not the thing, right? And I don't got to go shit on it, but he's got plenty of people to show up to those shows. And so I think the minute you stop comparing yourself, where it's like, man, why can't I get there? Why can't I do this? And it's like instead of stepping back and being in the moment, just being like, fuck, this is pretty rad. This is pretty rad. I find myself every now and then um, I'll drive to Starbucks in the morning, and uh, I'll listen to Bobby Bones. Yeah, and I, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But I just like sometimes I'm like, I would never want to be in that position where it's a big, super, huge fucking deal to be on the show. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I mean, I, it is a huge deal. It's, it is. He's everywhere. He but. is everywhere, and that's pretty neat. I mean. I like I think about that and I I wouldn't I already know how this has grown. Yeah. This Toad's Tune stuff has grown. I mean it's been 5 years now to where I used to get 
if I was lucky to get a hundred. Now, like the the good interviews, <laughs> the good ones, the ones that people get to know a little bit better, they're doing seventy five thousand, a hundred thousand streams, and it's pretty yeah, fucking cool that, that that people listen and care. But the end of the day is. I I do I have some artists that I'll get emails that like hey man we're gonna be in town playing at Doghouse we'd love to come over and grab an interview like if we could get on Toad's Tunes that would be rad and that yeah. kind of stuff makes me happy sure but I would I think about like when I listen to artists and I, how fucking crazy they get to go on the show and they make such a big super big deal out of it I'm like does it does it change their career I don't I mean Chris Jansen you know he played I can buy me a boat twice an hour for like six hours yeah. which is what broke that song i mean that blew up chris you know right. it was a fucking great song somebody should hear it so i think when you're wielding that kind of power you know obviously um the the all-knowing people at iheart would only do it for good right it yeah would never absolutely be, it would never be for evil i i uh <laughs> there's 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 a couple artists that have been thrown at me with some stuff and have been told that iheart's going to pick up their stuff and i'm like well, well why that there's there's 150 other songs that I can give you right now that are way better than that one, yeah. but it's based on the wrong reasons, and that's what I think. I think that's one yeah. of the main reasons why you're gonna. Well, I believe that radio is gonna change. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends in talk radio, and they believe in the next five years there'll there'll be very minimal amounts of radio. It'll just be everything will be talk radio. Yeah, this this sort of format, and um, it's a blessing in that sense because I think so. People go out and they stream music. Uh, uh, it's so easy to access. Um, and get to know somebody, get to know yeah. their music. Um, I always, I have some artists that come through here that they delete their their old catalog of music, and I'm like, I don't agree with that because I believe that everybody came from somewhere. Yeah, and I think it's super neat to go back and listen to. Oh yeah, it's my favorite. When you find somebody new and you can go back and go like, oh shit, man, he's been doing this since yeah, and they whenever. Used to, they used to really suck. Yeah, but I, <laughs> to me, that's the fun of it. Absolutely. I go back to uh, an artist. You see like, the growth. Yes, absolutely. I go back to an artist. Uh, his name is Scott Stevens. Yeah. We talked about him earlier. The, I want to say the first song I ever heard from him is a song called "Back," mm. but another song that came out was very similar, written by the the same people produced by the same people mm. horrible situation he's in but i love the song but you can't find it anywhere anymore yeah and i just sit back and he's just not pr- proud of it i guess i don't know and i yeah. go back and whenever i listen to it i send him a screenshot of it and you can find it on youtube like some live stuff and everything sure. but i think that's the fun of it as a consumer of music and a fan of music myself is getting to go back and listen to the old shit and see where they came from 100 percent important piece of the puzzle 100 percent. i go back and i listen to the first one of these i ever did and i'm like Whoa. right yeah well <laughs> it's growing it's right? still there it's all growth and i think that discovery i think is what's cool i mean We've been finding it in a lot of the, like this Bolin thing. It's a whole different audience for me, and Absolutely. but it really yeah. fit. And we've got people. I think tonight at the show that drove like seven and a half hours. They followed the entire tour up through California, and then they came. Uh, they're coming tonight too. Are and they relatives? No, no of the Bolin. No, it wasn't the guy's name Bolin? Yeah, which yeah. was even crazier. <laughs> and um, and he was just like, man, we went back. You know, listened to your live record from 2011 or whenever that was. You know, and it's just like, damn, like, man. Love this song. I'm like, dude, I haven't played that song in 10 years. Right. So, yeah, I think you got to, I don't know, you got to let people discover it and find it. I think they have to. I mm-hmm. think it's, that's that's part of the process of growing. Is there an instrument that you've always wanted to play that you don't know how to play? Uh, don't say skim flute. <laughs> no, I've got that down. Uh. <laughs> Can you smell it? <laughs> Prove it, you pervert. Um, I learned that from you, fucker. I think... <laughs> I think, uh, man, I play, 
I don't know. Like, I, I wish that I was just better overall at all instruments. I'm kind of, um, like, I look, I watch, like, Caroline Jones play, and I'm like, God, She's I coming here. suck. Caroline was on a song of mine that we had called Back Before I Knew You. Didn't know uh, that. It was a single that we had in, I think, January. And one of my favorite songs. Um, you have to listen to it. It's great. I will. And it's, um, she sings and plays her ass off, and... So I look at somebody like her where I'm like, God, I really could be a much better guitar player and a much better piano player and a much better, you know, bass player. If, but um, I'm kind of a, okay, I got to a certain point and I'm like, all right, this gets my... It'll work. This will get me you through. you play here. the drums? Uh, no. No? Never mm-hmm. wanted to? No, not really. Not a drum guy. Um, yeah, I wish I was just better. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I just put in more effort. Um, <laughs> let's say that... Um, you could look into uh, Lucas Hogue's fucking balls right here on the crystal table. That's <laughs> crystal. Was, yeah, Lucas only has one it's ball. It's so cold. <laughs> the other ball is here, Lucas. <laughs> um, if you could like put together a tour with whatever artist you want to, yeah, who who, who would you want to go Ooh. out on the road with? Man, a couple I, of them. Don't just pick one. Um, I love. Man, it, it just runs the gamut. I love what Ian Munsick is doing right now. I think he's a super badass. Uh, I love Chancey Williams. But um, I also love Sean Mullins, which is like way old school. Right. Uh, Paul Thorne. Um, yeah, I, man, I'm just such a fan of music. And not even guys that are, you know, necessarily country, but like uh, Matt Nathanson's or Ben Rector's yeah. and people that tell stories. I'm really drawn to storytellers. So drawn to storytellers, people that really connect with their crowd and, and, and really command a crowd. Um, I would love to go out with the struts. I think the struts would be badass. Be cool. Yeah. I went and saw Steven Stills by himself one time. Was it good? Fuck yes, it was good. Yeah, I bet it was. He's one of those guys that can tell stories, and you're like, I'm going to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw yeah. him at the Hard Rock. I was like blown away. Unreal. Yeah. That was kind of a cool thing. I like to always go back and tell a story. Uh, my mom um, had tickets to go see Fleetwood Mac back in the day. And she was going with a bunch of her attorney friends. Hmm. And she didn't have a date. And she asked me if I would go with her. I said, sure. And she goes, you're probably not going to know any of the music. I said, Mom, I'm probably going to know more of these songs than you are. And she was like, whatever, whatever, kid. <laughs> whatever, right? So we go to a place called Hamada's. And okay. I did not eat sushi then. Yeah. And I was grossed out by these. I mean, I was probably only 21, 22 years old. I was a puppy. Yeah. And um, we go to the show. And my mom just looked at me the whole time because I sang every word yeah. of everything. And uh, it was like the neatest thing in the world to see my mom just go, oh, this kid actually likes music. Yeah. But it's always been, it's always been in me. The songs are made. Um, Cassie Ashton did. Uh, Rihanna. Oh, yeah, my God. Rihanna, yeah. Fucking destroyed it last night. Destroyed it. There's a great story about Joe Walsh was uh, doing a record in Los Angeles and he had a star wagon outside. And so, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on her name? Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. She is recording down the hall. She decides, well, if Joe has a fucking star wagon out there, I need one too. So they bring her a star wagon in. And she comes in and they're, and they're cutting. She's like, Joe, come here. So they, she takes him out to a star wagon. They don't come back for three days. And Joe comes, and this is when Joe was still like using and stuff, right? And he comes back in and he's all kind of gacked out. You know, three days later, walks back into the studio where all the guys are standing around going like, where the fuck you been for three days? Right. And he goes, do not go camping with that woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
That's rock and roll shit. That is, that's old school rock and roll. Do not go camping and... with Stevie Nicks. Don't do it. I warned you. Don't do it. Should be let's, a t-shirt. Let's, yeah, should. <laughs> Done. Done. Do not go camping with Stevie Nicks. And at the bottom of it, right? Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. Uh, uh, super close personal friend with Joe Walsh. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's have some fun here. Dream car. If you could buy any car in the world, what would you buy? Um... A 1969 um, C60. A truck? Yeah, it's a dump truck. It's a huge fucking truck. What the fuck would you do with that? Yeah, I'd make it look like a normal truck and I'd drive that fucker everywhere. Everywhere. Just burn would, you, it. would you just like... Burning diesel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> fucking burning diesel. That's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. If you could, you, dude, have I you seen see, what some of these fuckers are doing to these C40s? I, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I have not. Well, I'm about to blow your mind. Um of what some of these dudes are doing. So they're taking these old dump trucks, right? So these have semi-tires on them, right? Well, so hold on. They me and take my the friends, dump truck off. Hold on. I want to interject real quick. Me and my friends call dump trucks ex-girlfriends, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so you take like, it's a, it's like a, a oh, yeah. flatbed truck, but then you put a normal truck bed on it. Those are pretty cool. And it's like your, uh, now it's your daily driver. That's like a, a dude. That's a it's like a truck. gigantic C10. Dude, could you imagine taking that, and making it just a two wheel drive, and slamming it? Oh, dude, it'd be amazing. I haven't seen a lowered one yet. We, uh, we don't lower trucks. No. In, I'm from Idaho. No, you have to go over shit. Oh, that's true too. <laughs> There's snow and shit there. Yeah, we don't lower trucks. Man. Yeah, I tried, dude. I totally tried. That's kind of neat, though. You, yeah. you kind of knew that. Yeah, super red. Um, I sat with the guys in after Midtown. I don't know if, know if you know them. They asked me a super fun question uh, at the end of our interview. Uh, they're not supposed to ask questions, but they did. It was yeah. cool. It's my job. Right? That's right. Yeah. Um, they said, if you could go back and listen to an album for the first time again mm. and have that same feeling to be able to listen to that album and hear it the way you heard it and excite you the way it excited you, what would that album be? I think it's t- probably, it's between two albums, and it's shocking to me because, well, Tom Petty Wildflowers. like You're the second person to say that. Blew my fucking mind open and um sean mullen's soul's core what's the single off of that uh, lullaby lullaby yeah but lullaby was just a pop hit but right. the rest of that record it was really good stunningly good i didn't know you could do that like i didn't know like i was just listening to the radio in the 90s so i thought everything had to be that was it garth or tracy or you know which is all great i didn't know that you could be like this storyteller still i didn't know that there was like this genre of that Right, and then I started finding like, you know, Jim Croce, and really digging into the Willie catalog, which is he's releasing his ninety ninth album. Jesus, he's been on over six hundred albums, but his own—that's crazy. Ninety nine. Do you think he has the record? Oh, I think it's done. It's got to. Who else? Maybe Keith Richards. I don't know, but I'm gonna go with Willie. That'd be really curious. Who's been who's been recorded the most? Yeah, but on the most different. I wonder if anyone even even knows that. I don't know, but ninety nine of a, like as a solo artist album. That's pretty that's wild. A, that's a lot. Of, how old is that dude? He's ninety ninety three. Ninety three. I think he's an old fucker. Yeah, I love Willie. You ever played with him? Yes, smoked weed with him. I really? don't smoke weed. I smoked weed. You have to. I yeah, you have to. And I never tell a story because it doesn't sound real. But we were. I was tour managing Larry the Cable Guy. We were doing Willie's Picnic in Fort Worth, Texas. Pootie Locke, who was like one of my mentors, came over and got me. He said, hey, Willie wants to see uh, Dan. 
So we go walking over to Willie's backstage because Willie has his own backstage away from other artists. Because right? Willie can. Because Willie can do what he wants. So we go up on the bus, and I kind of shouldered this dude as we were walking up, just brushed against him, turned to say, excuse me, it's fucking Chris Christopherson, almost shit my pants. And I don't get starstruck by fucking anybody. Sure. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and all I could say was, you wrote Sunday Morning Coming Down. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, my favorite Beatles is Ringo, favorite color is blue. Um, I turned into that guy for a minute. And then Ray Price was smoking a joint the size of Shaquille O'Neal's thumb. And he passed it to Willie, who passed it to Larry the Cable Guy, who passed it to Chris Christopherson, who passed it to me. And I was like, all I wanted to do was put that fucking thing out and keep it. Because I, I don't smoke weed, I just wanted to join. Right, just know? to take it. Yeah. Was it, but, was it that strong? Like I was shithoused. Dude. But it took like 15 minutes. It was one of those creeper ones. And I, like I said, I'm not a weed connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, um, about 15 minutes later, I was like, oh boy. I wonder who smokes stronger weed, him or Snoop Dogg? I'm going to ask that question on my socials oh, tonight. I'm I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I've never smoked with Snoop, although I would. Um, I have a funny story with Snoop, and then we'll get you out of here to go downstairs. Um, Tristan Merez. Yeah. So he comes to Vegas December. Was supposed to have a show in Reno the next day, but it got canceled. So he stayed in Vegas, and one of his sponsors, someone that works with him, hooked him up with a room at Virgin. So he says, hey, man, always been on my bucket list to go to a pool party. I go, where are you staying at? He goes, Virgin. I was like, well, this one's going to be easy. My buddy Mike does all the shows at the pools, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he played here on Friday, so Saturday they want to go to the pool. You already know Tristan Merez dresses just like Ian Munsick does, if not worse. Right. Um, <laughs> I think they went to Target and bought some outfits. My buddy Mike hooked them up. Okay. Who was playing that day? Snoop Dogg. No fucking way. No fucking way. Where do they put Tristan in the, the fucking first... The, the, the first... The, bungalow tent thing right in front of Snoop. He's in an influencer group with all these people. Like oh, my, my buddy, God. My buddy Mike hooked him up. Like wow. That. So I, I think I heard from Tristan like three days later. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Out of it. And so um, we talked a few times since then. It was pretty funny. And I was like, bro, like I, I have to explain something to you. Don't ever go to another pool party in Vegas. And he's like, why not? I said, because it will never, It'll ever, never ever, be ever be that again, ever. <laughs> never. I never. No, you don't ever go. You never ever try to go back to a pool. Because then people are going to be like, oh, have you like come to a lot of pool parties? You're like, well, the last one I was smoking weed with Snoop Dogg. So <laughs> this one fucking blows. Right. Dude, like you're the, you're the fucking man. You're sitting front row, influencer, everything. Oh, my God. Snoop that would be amazing. Yeah, I don't. I just told him you can't ever that would do this be amazing. Again. I would I would probably get starstruck around like Snoop Dogg just because I'm like I'm a hillbilly. I grew up in North Idaho. All I listened to, you know, were songwriters and country music. But then there then there came that that time in your life where you're like, oh, what's this? Like I remember when Doggy Style came out, and I was like, holy shit, this record is fucking amazing because yeah. my parents didn't want me listening to it. That's why you liked it even more. Yeah, and then Warren G came out, which to be honest, I really wish that G Funk thing lasted a little longer. Sure, because that was. It was kind of like Bruno Mars, but with like gangster shit to it. It, it could have and should have lasted. If it came out maybe like eight, nine years later, it probably Yeah, still. it was so early, right? Yeah. It was. Well, think about... Uh, but Dr. Dre's a fucking genius. The Beastie Boys. Yeah. Dude, that, that uh, Paul's Boutique? Yeah. Way before it's time. Yes. Way before well, it's did time. You, did you watch the whole documentary with Rick Rubin talking about how he like crafted that shit? No. Like, you have to watch it. I will I'll send it to that. you. Cause, Please. Because they were trying to be Run DMC. Really? The white version of Run DMC. And Rick Rubin was like, no, nah, man, you guys are fucking missing this. And so they would do their parts and leave 
and then he crafted the whole license to get ill record. They Amazing. didn't even fucking hear it. Right. They were just, and then they came back in and they're like, holy shit, this is, this is really good. This I'm is good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Rick Rumo was like, yeah, man, I just knew it had to be this white punk you know, I had licensed to ill on tape. Yeah, dude. And me then too. I got it on CD. Yeah. And the, and the and the and the the quality difference was night and day. I never thought CDs would take off ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Never. But um, I yeah. I probably bought licensed to ill like forty times. I think we all did. Yeah. And then LimeWire came out, and then we just got it for free. Yeah, yeah. They just stole that shit. I don't. I don't even know if it's still on my phone. That'd be funny. LimeWire. No. <laughs> <laughs> Beastie Boys, licensed to L. But I mean, even when when Paul's Boutique came out, I was like, because I'm a fan of music and I believe that I listen to music a little bit different than other people do, I could relate to it. But a lot of people are like, this is fucking the worst album I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm like, man, I fucking dig this yeah. shit because it's it's so different. My manager loves the replacements, uh, and and that's something I was never into. That like, but he like Tony was one of those guys that was of the nine people standing in the fucking room watching the replacements sweat and trash their gear and shit. And then he'll play me some shit sometimes. And I'll just be like, "Fuck, that's actually really, it's really cool," really, yeah. you know. But yeah, man, teach their own. But it, it it's such a such a wild thing, man. It's fun, dude. It thanks is. again for the time, man. Thank you so much. I fucking love you, brother. Tell people I love you too. Tell yeah, people how to find you, you online. Uh, JeremyMacomb.com. Uh, at Instagram, you can find me at MacombOver. And uh, but yeah, just Jeremy Macomb or official Jeremy Macomb, I think, on YouTube. And uh, uploading videos and lots of content. So on TikTok, fuck, that thing sucks. I hate TikTok, but we post shit on there because they, they tell me I have to. Right. And then uh, my OnlyFans. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I'm so addicted to the fix, I only get when I can get a taste of your love. 